Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. We're the Nelsons. I'm Sean. And I'm Lynette. We are back from a short break and today we're kicking off season two and we're really excited. We're really excited to be back. In the past few weeks, we've been keeping pretty busy. Uh, as we mentioned at the end of the last season, I donated bone marrow uh, working with an organization called Be The Match. I'm gonna add a link to Be The Match in the show notes today and also we'll put it in the blog post for this episode on openadoptionproject.org, which is our new website. Yeah, so our kids are back in school, and I am too, so we're all keeping busy. We have more structure in our lives, which I love. Uh, Sean and I ran a half marathon together yesterday, and that's basically what we've been up to. Getting ready for this season, we've been doing a lot of interviews already. We're getting really excited for the opportunity to share some of these stories and insights people have with the adoption community, and we really hope that it's a valuable season. I think it is. I'm really excited for the things that are coming up. And as Sean mentioned, we built a website, which was exciting. And so we've launched that. It's openadoptionproject.org. And you can find a blog on there where we post about these episodes. You'll also find links to our social media. Uh, if you want to contact us, one-stop shop for the Open Adoption Project on openadoptionproject.org. Yes. All right, so today we're going to hear from Emily. Emily is from Indiana in the United States, and she is an adoptee. She's also an adoptive parent, so this is another opportunity to hear from someone who has perspectives from multiple sides of the adoption triad, which is so neat. Such a cool experience to hear these thoughts from someone who's lived as an adoptee and now is an adoptive mom and seeing how those experiences intertwine and affect each side of her experiences. Yeah, along with a lot of things, she shares some insights that she's gained over the years and thoughts on how adoptive parents can be more sensitive to things like trauma and the needs that their children might experience. We hope that you enjoy this episode with Emily. All right, well, we are now on the podcast with Emily. Emily, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start by having you share a little bit about you and your family. Okay. Well, I'm Emily. I was born and raised in Indiana, and I grew up with my mom and my dad and my sister, and we always had um, just dogs as our pets. My sister rode horses. I was more of a sports person, not really much into the animal thing, um, but then I went to college for nursing. And I met my husband freshman year of college. And so we dated throughout and then got married after graduation. And so he works for a company. Um, he's a clinical research scientist. And I work as a nurse um, PRN. So once or twice a month. And then the other days I stay home with the kids. Um, we have three kids. Jack is three. Henry's two. Oliver is nine months. And Oliver is the one who we adopted and we adopted him through the same agency I was adopted through when I was five months old. Awesome. awesome. What are some of your guys' like family interests? What do you guys like to do? So we like to play outside. We just redid our backyard. So the kids love their swing set. They love their bikes. They love their scooters. We go for walks. We play at the park. We kick soccer balls around. Um, we visit family a lot. My parents live five minutes from us. So we see them all the time. And then Eric's parents live three hours away. It's a little farther, but sometimes we'll go down for a full weekend or have them 
up here, but we like going on vacations, even though it's hard with three little kids. Um, but we went to Hilton Head last year, Disney World the year before that, and then Colorado this year. And so we try to do at least one vacation a year, even though, like I said, we have kids and it's hard to fit in the time to travel. But it's definitely worth it. And the kids love it, even though they're little. People are like, oh, I wouldn't fly with my three little ones. But they have so much fun and it really isn't that bad. That sounds really, really fun. We would love for you to just jump in and share with us your experiences, both as an adoptee and adoptive mom. Just share with us your story. Okay. All right, so I was born and raised in Indiana and I was adopted when I was five months old. My birth mother tried to parent and it didn't quite work out for her. And so she picked my family and that was kind of that. Um, so I was the youngest of three. We were all back to back to back and she just didn't have the support she needed to parent a third baby. And so my family was obviously super thrilled. And my mom said that when she got me home, I was five months old. So she kind of sits me up on the floor and she goes, what do you like, what do you do? Can you sit? And I could kind of sit up kind of non. And then she goes, do you eat real food? Do you take a bottle? Like, what do I do with you? But they obviously figured it out and it was, it was fine and it was good. And they adopted my sister four years later. And so there are the two of us with my mom and my dad. And I always had a really good experience being adopted. I know not everybody does. My sister kind of had mixed feelings growing up about how she felt about it. But I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. I was like, wow, I am so loved. Like my mom and dad wanted a baby so badly that they adopted me. And my birth family wanted to give me a better life. So they placed me into my family. And I thought it was so cool that I just thought I was the best thing ever that everybody loved me. And so I didn't really have a lot of like doubt or insecurities being adopted. Um, my parents were super good at telling us from day one, you're adopted. This is what we know. What questions do you have? And they always answered them. They supported us in whether or not we wanted to reach out or if we wanted it to be more kind of closed. Um, but back in the day, so I'm 27, so it's been a few years since I was adopted, they didn't really have open adoptions as much. So it was more semi-closed or semi-open. So we exchanged pictures and letters every year. And so my mom and dad always shared those with me and then did the same for my sister. Um, I wasn't always super privy to like her conversations and like what her letter said. It wasn't like a big big family affair where we read aloud our different letters. Um, but I always knew that I was adopted and this was my story. And then when I was 10, I got to meet my birth mom for the first time. And she actually passed away a few months after. So I'm kind of glad it worked out when it did, because that was the only chance I got. Um, but I feel like it wasn't the best thing ever. It wasn't bad. But when you're 10 or eight or whatever, and your parents are like, okay, we're gonna go meet this person. Think of your questions. How are you feeling? What do you wanna know? Like, you're just kind of like, oh, I don't know. Like, it feels like you're going to visit like great aunt Sue at a family reunion where you know it's someone in your family and that it, it's a big deal, but you don't really have the capability to process it. So it was fine, it was fun. My two birth sisters were there and they were a year or two older than me. So we just played at the hotel while our parents talked and I didn't have any 
questions. It wasn't some like mind blowing event that forever changed my life, but I'm glad looking back that it happened. And then that was kind of that. My mom told me that she passed away a couple months later. And I was kind of like, okay, like obviously it's sad, but it didn't like affect me personally just because I didn't really like, know her. Um, but then when I turned 18, I got a letter in the mail from my birth father. And he wrote to me and said that he had been in and out of jail and doing who knows what for the past like 18 years that he was finally on the right track and wanted to connect. And so it was just kind of weird because I was like, I know nothing about you. Like, where have you been? Like, I don't know if I want this. Like, is it safe? Like, are you normal? Is it okay? I'm not telling you where I live. Like, but I wrote back to him and we kind of took it slowly because he knew nothing about me. He's like, do you have a mom and a dad? Do you have siblings? Like, what do you like to do? And I was like, wow, you really know nothing. Okay. So we kind of started like baby steps, writing back and forth. And then at some point in college or right after college, I met with him and Eric came with me, my husband, just, and it made me feel better. And I was kind of nervous as an adult because I kind of understood the gravity of the situation, unlike I did when I was 10 and it was fine. I was really worried that like, what if he's weird? What if I'm weird? What if it just is awkward or I don't know, I didn't know what to expect, but he was super nice, super normal. He was married, so his wife is there. He's still married now, but um, and they now have four kids, but they only had the two girls at the time. And they were so cute, so nice, so normal. So it was a huge wave of relief that, okay, like years had passed, but I think this can be okay and something I'm interested in continuing. And I feel like from there, like we still see them occasionally, they moved. So we don't see them all the time anymore, but we took our kids to see them. And it's funny because he's married and has kids that are my kids' ages, which I, I don't know, whenever I think if my mom and dad had another baby at the same time, I'm having kids, like that's really weird. But for some <laughs> reason, I think God just had a plan for him and his life and it wasn't being a parent 27 years ago. So it's cool to see his journey unfold and him become a loving husband and dad. And I think that that's reflective of the person he is, even though years ago, I don't think anyone would have said <laughs> too many nice things about his decision-making. Um, but yeah, that's kind of that. And because I had a good experience being adopted, when Eric and I were in our marriage prep class, they were, were like, well, what if you can't have kids? So we're Catholic. So they're like, let's talk about family or family planning. We're like, okay, yeah, we want fa a family, we want kids. And so they're like, okay, and what if you can't? Like, what does that look like for you? And so we decided, hands down, we'll just adopt and that's fine. I was adopted. I like myself. I think I'm okay. I turned out okay. Well, this is adopt. And then we got married, kind of didn't really talk about it again, decided to try for a baby. Nine months later, Jack was born. We're like, okay, that's fine. Good. That's, that's great. We're like, let's have another. 10 months later, Henry was born. We're like, wow. Okay. Let's, let's talk about this. Do we want more? And if so, do we still want to adopt? And if so, kind of why? And we decided, no, we don't want to adopt anymore. Like, what if we take someone's baby who's been trying to have kids and can't? Or what if no one ever picks us? Or what if, what if this, what if that? So we went back and forth, back and forth, but we just couldn't get rid of that nagging 
feeling like our family just isn't complete. And we couldn't figure out like why. And so then we decided, let's just call around and see. So we talked to an international agency. We're kind of like, ooh, traveling with two under two to wherever for six weeks or, you know, whoever, eh, probably not for us. Okay, fine. What about fostering? That seems like a good idea. Sure, why not? And then we talked to a foster agency and they said, well, we want you to do birth order and your youngest is like six months old. So we don't really think it'll work out for you. Come back to us later. I'm like, shoot, okay. Once again, maybe we weren't meant to adopt. And then my mom was like, well, have you thought about like a domestic infant adoption? And I was like, no, I, I don't know why I didn't. Like, that's where I came from. Because well, you don't have to, but, and so we called the agency that I was adopted through and they're still around. And they said, yeah, we're, we're taking families. Are you interested in attending our classes? So we said, okay, fine. Let's just, third time's the charm. Let's give it a go. And so we did. And we went live. And two months later, we brought our son home. So it happened really, really fast. And which is good. It was exciting. It's what we wanted. But I think we just kind of crammed in so much education and learning and family time into like a small amount of time. Everyone said, well, you guys are kind of young. Your kids are young. It'll take a while for you to get picked. Okay, that's fine. And then it didn't. And I feel like it was meant to be, but it just felt like we had to kind of flip gears a little bit because our agency always said like, everyone can be a good mom. Everyone can be a good dad, but not everyone can be good adoptive parents. And we were like, wait, what? What does that mean? Even though I was adopted, I was like, okay, tell me more about that. And so they kind of just walked us through like how to be a good adoptive parent. And they brought up things like how to tell your adoptee from day one. And they said, don't wait. There's no reason you need to keep it a secret. Like there are books, there are different things you can do. There's social media, there's videos, there's everything out there. Like don't wait for the perfect time because there isn't. And so they said with little kids, one thing to do is I wonder if, and so we do that all the time. If Oliver's laughing at something, we'll say, oh, I wonder if his mom laughs like that. Or if he's eating Cheerios. Oh, I wonder if his sisters like Cheerios too. And it kind of helps our three-year-old and two-year-old feel comfortable about it so that one, they're not like 10 years old being like, I didn't know my brother was adopted, but it also makes it less weird, I feel like. Like it's just part of normal every day. And so obviously Oliver is only nine months old. So I don't know if it is working or not, but I'm hoping that we get better and better. And so as he gets older and older and has more questions, it's not like the first time we've ever brought it up. Um, so yeah, I guess that's kind of kind of what led us to adopt and a little bit about our agency. Um, one other thing I was just thinking about that the agency kind of talked to us about that was really hard for us at first was think about Thanksgiving in 15 years and your kid wants to go spend the holiday with his biological family. Like, how will you feel? And I'd be lying if I said I'd feel good about it. Like, selfishly as a parent, no one wants their kid being gone on holidays and stuff. But they said, there's a chance you will have an empty seat at your table and you have to be okay with that. 
And so we're trying as parents and adoptive parents, like how do we get from not being okay with it to being okay with it and supporting him and his feelings and thoughts? Because I would love it if he was able to do that. But the selfish part of me is like a mom is like, no, don't go, stay with me. So that's, I think, one of the big differences between adopting and having bio kids. And we're still navigating that. And who knows, maybe he won't want to, but part of me kind of hopes he does go and spend a holiday or two with his bio family, because that would be cool. Well, that's really cool. It sounds like your agency does a really great job with educating and talking about those hard conversations. That's neat. So you talked about, what you guys are doing right now to have a conversation about adoption with your kids. What was the conversation about adoption like for you when you were growing up with you and your sister? So for us, it was never a secret or a surprise. From day one, we always knew. So my parents, I think, bought every adoption book under the sun for every age group. And I just remember, like, it's why was I adopted? And it's by every author. Like, there's 10 of them on a bookshelf. And some of them are more picture-based for maybe a two- or three-year-old. And some are more in-depth about decision-making and maybe for an adolescent. And so I felt like the conversation was always positive. Um, my mom and dad would always support us in our feelings and ask us how we were feeling. And I always felt good about things. And I think because my sister didn't, it was harder for them. Like what worked with me didn't work with her. And so they just had to learn how can they frame it as a positive thing? Because adoption is beautiful and can be, but also there is trauma associated with adoption. And some people deal with that grief differently and that loss and that that's okay and so it doesn't mean that they're bad parents it doesn't mean that that they did anything wrong it's just that adoptees are entitled to their own feelings and some feel great about it and some don't and I think that framing it positively and being open-minded really helped them connect with me and her even though we felt differently throughout our journeys So would you say there were any experiences or things that you went through personally as a as a younger child that were hard about being adopted or was it always kind of like the the bright side and and easy? I think I'm the rainbow unicorn and I know a lot of people aren't, but I think the one thing if I had to pick was just it was a part of me that was different. So if you're at school and like my friends weren't adopted. And so I didn't think of it as a bad thing, but anytime when you're a kid and you're different, it kind of makes you feel a little self-conscious about it. And it wasn't something that everybody knew either. So I always had a little bit of trouble like saying, like say you're at the grocery store and someone's like, oh, you look just like your dad. Do you say, well, actually I'm adopted or do you just (laughs) kind of smile and say, yeah, I get that a lot, thanks and kind of move on. Um, So it wasn't necessarily like a negative, it was just kind of weird. And even now with kids and two are biological and one isn't, we go out and our youngest has brown hair, the same color as mine, and the other two have blonde hair. And so everyone's like, well, he has brown hair, just like you. And same thing, like it hasn't changed. I'm always like, okay, the grocery store clerk doesn't really need to know he's adopted, (laughs) but also like, I don't know, it's just kind of a weird thing, like who to tell and how much to tell. 
Like for me, it's my story. So I feel good about telling people whatever I want. But as an adoptive parent now, I try to be cautious not to overshare his story so that he can form his own opinion and tell people the positive and negative from his standpoint. But it's also hard because he's a nine-month-old baby. So I don't know what that'll look like for him. I don't know if he'll feel like I did and think, wow, this is great. Or he might hate us and think, why would you ever adopt me? Like this place sucks, which he can think that and that's fine too. And I'm worried a little bit that my own happy like upbringing and like positivity associated with adoption. Like if he doesn't feel that way, I think I'll have to, like, I'm fine if he doesn't, but I don't really know how to support him yet just because it's, it's weird. I don't know. It's awkward. And it's okay that he feels that way or he might feel that way, but I'm trying to be open-minded and knowing that he could feel however he wants. And that's his opinion and his experience. And that's okay too. Yeah. I think just having the door open always to having those really open and frank and just raw conversations and letting Mm -hmm. our kids feel how they feel and validating those feelings, I think is a really good, good perspective. So you talked about how you got to meet your birth mom one time when you were about Mm -hmm. 10. Do you think that meeting her and that um, experience affected your perception of adoption during your teen years and as you were growing up? I think it might have just given me a little bit of closure because my sister's adoption was a little more open than mine. Like her birth mom is still alive. So when she got Christmas gifts and say I'm 14 and she's 10, and I knew that my birth mom had passed away. And at this point, my birth dad wasn't in the picture. I think it just helped me be like, oh, okay, that's that's fine. It's not fair, but it is fair because it is what it is. And so I think it just kind of made me not wonder quite as much. I think if she was still alive, I might have, I don't know, would I have wanted to reach out to her? Maybe. Would I have wanted to have a deeper relationship? Maybe. I don't know. But since it wasn't an option, I think it was, I don't want to say helpful, but in a way I like didn't have to wonder what if just because it wouldn't have gone anywhere. Oh, maybe one more follow-up from your story. You talked about uh, being the youngest of three um, biological children, I guess, in that family. Are you connected at all with your older biological sisters? And what does that look like? So the oldest one moved away, kind of cut family ties after college and no one really ever heard from her again. I think she's fine and doing well, but she kind of is doing her own thing. And then the middle one or the one that's right above me is living about an hour away from where we currently live. And we are friends on social media, so like Facebook and Instagram. And we've messaged and talked on there, but we haven't met. But I would say it's like a a good relationship. And I don't know if we ever will meet. Like I've never asked her, hey, do you want to meet up sometime? And I don't know, she's busy, I'm busy, but I think she would if that was something I wanted to do. Or if she invited me somewhere, I'd probably go just because kind of why not? But it is also weird in a way like not in a bad way it's like shoot what do we talk about like I don't know anything about her she knows nothing about me like I know her through social media but I don't know like her like what her childhood was like what her interests are like does she what does she remember like what was she told about me and it's just kind of like that's a lot to unpack over a cup of coffee so I think sometimes (laughs) I'm like oh never mind like maybe one day maybe not so I'd be open to it 
but I think I'm also fine just kind of seeing her life unfold through social media. Navigating relationships is, is hard and to know like how much and when and kind of the why behind it all. That's, that's yeah. hard. Yeah, I loved hearing you talk about meeting your birth dad. Do you have any advice? You talked about how you were really nervous about that. Do you have any advice for other adoptees when they're meeting their birth family for the first time for how to prepare? It, yeah, how to prepare emotionally. I think the biggest thing I would say is I truly do self-reflection on what you're hoping to get out of it. Because I think that kind of frames how it might look. So like I had a great dad, a great mom. I wasn't looking for like someone to fill a void in a parent role. I wasn't looking for answers to questions that I had about why I was adopted. Yeah, we did talk about that, but I was meeting him because it felt like the right thing to do. Um, but I think if someone was thinking, oh, I don't know, like what if, like what if someone didn't want to be found? Like what if I was the one trying to initiate contact with him and he had wanted nothing to do with me. Like, how would I feel if that happened? Kind of play like the, the what if game, just so that realistic expectations can be set, but that shouldn't scare someone away from trying to reach out to their family. If that's something they're interested in, I would say go for it by all means, like kind of why not, but also be prepared maybe for disappointment, knowing that adoption is kind of complicated. And I thought it was beautiful that my birth dad is married and has has kids, but I could see how someone might have their feelings hurt, kind of like, well, why are you taking care of them, but you didn't take care of me? Um, so I guess you just never know what you're going to find when you start looking or digging, which could be a great thing. You could find out all these amazing things that you also might kind of uncover things you might wish you didn't really know. <laughs> so, and that goes both ways. Like he could look at me and be like, wow, uh, I am not a fan of how you turned out type thing, which wasn't my case, but just everybody's different and you don't know who they're going to be and people change. And sometimes that's for the better and sometimes it's not. But yeah, I, I would say go ahead and try it if it's something someone wanted. I think a lot of people wonder kind of like, where did I come from? Like what makes me me? Like nature versus nurture. So I think reaching out can answer some of those questions and fill in any gaps that someone might have about where they came from or who they are, what their family's like. And so I think that part is kind of cool. So do you feel like when you met with him, you kind of saw some of the nature versus nurture, like a parent in him and you, like similarities? So I didn't notice anything, but my husband was there and he said some of the things reminded him of me or like when he was watching him talk and interact and interact with his kids, it reminded him of me. And then like the next weekend, we went to my parents' house and he was watching me closely with them. And he goes, never mind, you're just like your parents instead. So like when we were there, he thought I was like my bi biological dad. And then the next weekend he goes, no, you're exactly like your mom. Like you talk like her, your mannerisms are like her, your sense of humor is like your dad. So he's, he was the one who said, I have no idea. Like it's kind of 50-50, like nature versus mm -hmm. nurture. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah, it's been interesting. So all four of our children are adop were adopted and it's so interesting to see because there are some things where I'm like, it's exactly like her. Uh -huh. And I'm like, no, you're exactly like your birth mom right now. Or like you yeah. did your mannerisms yeah. just like your birth father. So it's kind of fun to see. Yeah. Um, As we get older too, I'm sure. Yeah. 
more of their personality development. You're like, oh, it's yeah. Yeah. So um, you shared a little bit um, when when you were sharing your story about considering adopting as an adoptee and how maybe that influenced your decision. Um, you also mentioned that you know you and your sister had kind of different experiences. So new, so knowing that there was kind of this ver wide variety of experience that an adopted child could feel like, did that play into your decision making when you were looking into adoption? I think it almost gave us more confidence when we decided to adopt. And I say that because I could see myself if our son who's adopted hated us or even for a time period. Now, I mean, I think every kid kind of goes through a phase where they like hate their parents, but that would be, that, that'd be really hard for me. And I would wonder, what did I do wrong? Is it me? Is it us? Maybe we shouldn't have done this. Maybe we weren't the best fit. What were we thinking? But having seen my sister kind of go through the ups and downs of that, my parents did everything perfectly right. Like it wasn't on them. It was just her, like how she processed her grief and her adoption. And they helped her navigate through it. And they kind of held her hand and they were with her and they did all of the right things. And so it, it worked out, even though it started from different places. So I think it just gave me hope that even if we kind of get stuck in the trenches for a bit, that at the end of the day, there's still light at the end of the tunnel and it can still be a beautiful relationship for everybody involved, even though it might not always seem like that day to day. I love that perspective. That's awesome. So how do you think your experiences as both an adoptee and as an adoptive mom have influenced your perception of adoption over time, how it's changed? I think just over time, it's changed a lot. It's kind of gone away from like maybe being on a wait list and just getting called to, I like to think that birth moms have a lot bigger of a say nowadays. Um, but with that being said, I still feel like there's a long way to go for all adoptions to be ethical. And I feel like that's kind of disappointing sometimes, like just because I want birth moms to feel like in control and validated and not coerced into placing their baby. But I also know that that's not always the case. And so it's kind of hard because birth moms do get a bigger say nowadays. But also I feel like there are multiple different pressure points like the social media and agencies and consultants and I don't even know private matching and everything kind of in between. It just makes me wonder where it's going to go in the future. Yeah, I we have very, very similar concerns and uh, <laughs> hopes that the mm -hmm. ethics of adoption can improve um, and the treatment of adoptees and uh, with birth parents or expected parents that they can have, you know, options counseling, they don't feel coerced. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think as adoptive parents, we have a big role to play in changing the culture of adoption for the future. I think so too. And one thing I might add that has been a little interesting since we started trying to adopt, like when we were hoping to adopt, is I got a lot of pushback like on social media from other adoptees. Now, a lot of adoptees have great experiences and a lot don't, and I totally get that. But it almost felt sometimes like because I had such a positive experience that I was doomed to be a good adoptive parent. And I just, obviously that made me feel super crummy. And so there were times when I doubted like myself and Eric and God's plan. And I said, maybe we shouldn't do this because 
my own beliefs and stuff might be skewed and I don't know if I can do it. But I kind of pushed all those worries aside and just, you know, put faith in God that his plan would work out and that when the time came, everything would be fine. But it was kind of disappointing as an adoptive parent that because I was an adoptee, the thought that I wanted to adopt, I was kind of feeding into the unethical like adoption. And I was like, well, it doesn't have to be that way. But I think a lot of people see adoption as beautiful. And a lot of people see it as like this evil thing because they had a terrible experience, which just makes my heart hurt thinking that someone hates adoption so much that they don't want to push for ethical adoptions or push for better adoptions. Like I think it's always going to be a thing. So instead of like trying to stop it, how can we help make it better? In some ways with social media, the way that it is and, and people sharing kind of their truth, um, adoptive parents and hopeful adoptive parents are becoming more and more educated. So hopefully mm -hmm. we can hold agencies and legislature more responsible to, to make more ethical practices. So yeah, if you could share one thing uh, with every other adoptee, that's kind of a big, big one thing, or maybe just a few things like what, what would you share with other adoptees about your experience or, or anything that is on your mind? I think the biggest thing is kind of related to adoption and it kind of isn't. It's just to not give up on your own happiness. And I know that looks different for everybody and it changes. Like when you're five, your happiness might be like, you know, three cookies instead of two cookies. But as you get older, what happiness looks like changes. And I know that there are different barriers and obstacles through every phase of life. Um, but it's worth it to stay true to yourself and your values and form good, positive relationships with those around you so that you have a support system to build you up, even when things don't go as planned. And in regards to adoption, that could mean if you're an adoptee in a bad adoptive family, like how can you kind of overcome that and still be a happy adult and a happy person? Or if you had an amazing experience being adopted, okay, fine, I guess maybe it's happiness isn't related to being adopted then and that's fine too, but just everyone deserves to be happy. And I think sometimes people just have to work harder for it than others. But I think it's important to kind of overcome any grief and you owe it to yourself, like to get the help you need if you need it. If that's counseling, if that's physically, mentally, emotionally, I'm not sure, spiritually. But yeah, make time for you so that you can be a happy person and make others happy too. I love that. All right. So if you could share one thing with every other adoptive parent, what would that be? This one was tricky for me too. So I feel like as an adoptee and an adoptive parent, this has changed for me over the past nine months. And I think the biggest one is be honest. And I think that starts with yourself. So for Eric and me, we didn't have any infertility, but say we had. Okay, so are we adopting to just have a baby? And if so, that's fine, but we need to overcome maybe that grief if there is any, so that we are able to be adoptive parents. For me, because I had such a rainbow sunshine adoption, knowing that our son might not have that, I need to kind of put aside my own feelings so that I can support him and his. And I think it also looks like with adoptions these days, like as far as openness goes, that can mean a lot of different things. So um, we have a pretty open adoption with our son's mom. 
And I think that's an amazing thing. But I also would say that how awful would it be if we weren't honest with her about what our intentions were with how often to do visits or texts or emails or pictures? Because I can't imagine like telling her one thing and then not following through on that. And so I think that can be really scary, but also it's super important, like be honest with yourself so that when the time comes that you're matched with a family or picked that you can honor that relationship and that mom and stay true to your word. Um, could you share just a little bit more about what your open adoption looks like with his birth parents yeah. or birth mom? So it's just birth mom. Birth dad isn't really in the picture. We're not actually sure who he is as of right now. Um, but she originally wanted a closed adoption. And we were like, okay, like we can't make you have an open adoption. But our agency kind of talked to her and they believe that open adoptions can be the best thing for the child. So they strongly encouraged her to change her mind. <laughs> and she said, nope, I think it's easier for me to just have it closed. Okay, that's if that's what you want. They're around for the birth moms for 18 years for like counseling or services or classes. Um, they do the same for the adoptive families too. But they said, okay, like we'll reach out to you. We'll reach out to you. She goes, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. And then he was born and we went to the hospital and you know, she signed the papers the next day and she, she left. She wanted to see him one more time. And that was that. I was like, okay, like we had each other's phone numbers, but I said, I'll respect her. And I will still send texts or emails or pictures to like an email account. That way, if in five years she reached out, then I would have something like here, this is him when he was a baby, here's this and that. Um, but when he was about a month old, she texted and said, you know what, like, this is hard. Like, I would love to see a picture. I just want to know that he's okay. And so I was like, oh, of course, here's like 50 pictures. Um, <laughs> so I um, downloaded an app where I can upload pictures in case something ever happens to either of our phones there in one place, um, which was a recommendation by the agency, which I, after they said that, I was like, why didn't I think of that? Like, that makes sense. Um, so we text pretty, pretty frequently, maybe about once a week, twice a week. And then I send pictures about the same frequency. And so um, we tried to visit twice and it has fallen through both times. Um, but I think we're going to try again two more times before the year is up. Um, they live about three and a half hours away from us. So we're fine making the drive up there. It's a little more challenging for them to get down to us. Um, so we're still trying to navigate what that looks like. And it's not perfect, but we feel like we owe it to her and we owe it to our son to give it our best, best shot. And the biggest example I can think of is, um, so we're Catholic and we got him baptized in our church. And we were like, should we invite her? And I was like, oh yeah, that'd be nice. But also like, I don't know, like all of our extended family is gonna be there. Like our friends are gonna be there. Like, what if she feels weird? I don't know. And then we decided, well, okay, so what if we don't? Then what? And we're like, okay, so when he's 12 and he says, why didn't you try? Why didn't you invite her? And we say, I don't know, we chickened out. Like, uh, I don't want to <laughs> really over that. So we decided, you know what? Like, we'll, we'll invite her. And if she comes, that'd be great. Our families are super open. Like I was adopted, so they get it. Eric has adoption in his family. And so she couldn't make it um, that weekend, which was fine. Um, but I was kind of sad that she wasn't able to come because I think it would have been really, really nice. 
And so I am hoping that moving forward, maybe around the holidays this year, I'm not quite ready to send him off and have an empty seat at my table when he's one years old. But um, if she could come down and we could celebrate holidays together, I think it would be a good start. And then years to come, it would never be weird. Like the first one is, I feel like always the weirdest. Yeah. And it would get easier and easier. Yeah, I think that we had, I think we were pretty, I don't know, close-minded when we first jumped into the adoption world and like, oh, well, it's Christmas. We want the holiday for our family, right? But in the end, it's grown into like, yeah, our family includes all of their birth families, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. come over on Christmas. Like, we'd love to see you. Mm-hmm. And I, I love what you said, like starting it early on and just making it the normal thing from the beginning makes that really natural. And then 10 years down the road, it's not like, oh, well, what do we do, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that advice. That's great. That's awesome. So I know you've had a really good experience, but what have you <laughs> what have you struggled with regarding adoption and what do you wish others knew or understood about it? I think I just wish people knew how complicated it is. I don't know what people really think about adoption, but I feel like they don't really think about what that means. And so like as a mom, I just can't fathom being in a position where adoption is even like I I try to think to myself, okay, at what point would I consider adoption for one of my kids? And I would bend over backwards to do anything, everything I could to not have that. So it would have to be such like a desperate situation. And I think it just truly is sacrifice and love because I can't even imagine what that would feel like and look like. And then it doesn't go away. It's not like five, 10 years later, you just get fixed from it. Like, so I always think about that. Like, I wish people sometimes were a little more careful with what they say about birth moms. Cause sometimes people say things like, oh, I don't know, just, I don't want to make up examples, but kind of insensitive things. And it one, it kind of hurts my feelings for like my son's birth mom and for my biological family. And I don't think people should be judged negatively ever for being a part of the adoption triad. And then I would also say, I really don't like when we tell people, oh, like we adopted or whatever. And they say, oh, he's so lucky. And yeah, I felt lucky as an adoptee, but I don't really feel like my son is lucky. I feel like we are the lucky ones. Like how awesome is it that his mom chose us to parent like the best gift in the entire world. Like I feel lucky I got, he's not lucky I am. Like, I think that's just like a cool part of adoption in a way. Like someone loves their kids so much that they say, here, take my child, raise him as your own, love him forever and ever and ever, because right now I can't. And I think that's just like the craziest thing that can happen to, to humans. And I think it's such a blessing, but also what a weight to carry. Like I told someone, I looked her in the eye and said, I will love your baby and do everything I can to make him feel safe and healthy and loved for every day of his life. And that sometimes like that's so overwhelming, but I also feel like it's the coolest thing. But yeah. Beautiful. That's so well said. I know. So good. I'm like, 
almost teary, like thinking about like the same, like the promise that you make as a parent. Mm -hmm. uh, well, is there is there anything else that you would share about adoption or feelings around adoption, either as an adoptee or an adoptive mom that, you know, that you would want other people to know or feel? I think what you just shared was great, but if there's any other thoughts. I think that's really it. I appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me about both of my experiences as an adoptee and an adoptive mom, because I feel like a lot of people just focus on one or the other. And it's kind of a, an interesting spot to be in, to be both. Yeah. And so I feel like it's just kind of nice to be able to share a little bit about my experience with other people who I feel like are also involved in the adoption community. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not often that we have a member of the adoption triad that fits two of the pieces, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so it's great to get perspective. So thank you so much for sharing mm -hmm. your thoughts and everything with us. Yeah, thank you. for this episode of the Open Adoption Project. We so appreciate Emily sharing her story with us. Uh, we're really excited to share more with you in this second season. In our first season, we heard from a lot of people. We had a total of 17 adoptees, five birth parents, and four adoptive parents in addition to ourselves. So we're really excited. Uh, we also had one adoption professional um, in the last season, but that's going to change. Yeah, this season we're going to hear from even more members of the Adoption Triad, so more of everyone and more adoption professionals. And this next Monday we'll be back in a new episode where we'll talk through things that hopeful adoptive parents should consider when it comes to physical or medical conditions with a focus on neonatal exposure to drugs and alcohol. Yeah, this is a topic that we've gotten a lot of requests to cover, but because it's a sensitive and private topic, we'll be talking with Jeremy Stone, who is a fourth year medical student and adoptive dad who has developed a resource for parents, um, hopeful adoptive parents that are making adoption decisions when some exposure might have occurred. Thank you so much for joining us today. And to connect with us, remember to go to openadoptionproject.org and have a great day. Thanks.